Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome to Trust the Tape episode 11.27.2018. Jeff Kavanaugh at JC1053 on your Twitter machine alongside my co-host, the great Dane Brugler at DP Brugler from The Athletic. And we're here. To trust the tape and talk college football with you on a Tuesday or whatever day you listen to this podcast. And we have much to dive into today, Dane. We do. Including my top story, which is, is there such a thing as an unforgivable loss in college football? It's my top story of the day. Unforgivable loss. I've been thinking about this. Explain. Do we want the four best teams in mm. the playoff? Or do we want the four teams that deserve to be in the playoff? I don't think they're the same thing. The, they rarely are. Rarely are. Uh, and so which one are we looking for? They tell us best, right? They, they do tell us best. and But both things are very debatable. I don't think there's a clear-cut four best teams. I don't think there's a clear-cut four most deserving teams. Now, if we're just going based off a record, that's one thing. But when we talk about deserving... It just it's tough because all these conferences are so different. The schedules are so different. And so I think it's it's debatable. So if you told me that the best four was would be what we assume is going to be the top four tonight, which is going to be uh Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia, mm-hmm. I don't know if I necessarily disagree with you. But Oklahoma has a strong case. Ohio State has a strong case, and they're going to have a chance to show that this weekend. And Georgia's going to take a loss, so they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. No. Uh, now, if if Georgia does beat Alabama, they're both going. No, yeah, they'll I, both go, and that's I, I'm fine with that. Yes. My question is, once Georgia loses, and they're going to be out, yeah. and it goes down to Oklahoma and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. After watching Ohio State against Michigan. I think Ohio State, if you said, hey, which team is better? I think I would pick Ohio State. But if you said, which team is more deserving? I'd say you can't lose by 100 points to Purdue. Can't do it. That's that's an atrocious loss. It's a bad loss. If OU ends the season with their only loss being a three-point loss to Texas and Ohio State's is a blowout against Purdue, it's not close. Hmm. OU deserves to go. But OU's got the worst defense I've ever seen play sports. I don't care what sport, football, yeah. basketball, baseball, Texas Rangers were bad defensive team. They're not as bad as OU. OU is the worst defense I think I've ever seen, and I watch them every week. The offense is incredible. It is. Quarterback's incredible. Yeah. There's talent everywhere. There's no defense. So can I call them one of the four best? I don't know. I guess my only, They'll be the fourth most deserving. My only argument to that is Ohio State, like Oklahoma ranks like 100 in the hundreds in total defense. Ohio State, they're like in the 70s in defense. Not good. And so there's a difference between not good and the worst. But one plays in a conference with 
What if that Ohio State defense played in the Big 12? That's true. I got a Big 10 problem for you. And here's my Big 10 problem. We hear about how Big 12 can't play defense. All right. How about the Big 10 can't play offense? Well, yeah, and that's always I, been the case. I, I, went, I go into that game, Ohio State-Michigan, it's like this Michigan defense is impenetrable. Yeah. They allow 100 passing yards per game because nobody in your conference can throw. Nobody. Yeah, look, Michigan's got – there's a lot of future pros on that defense. They're, they are a good defense, but they weren't at 100%, and that showed. And I think just – I, it's not – I don't think it's more about the Michigan defense. I think it's more just about the Ohio State offense. And just like Oklahoma, how much fun it could be to watch when they're clicking. Uh, it's a big difference. And to your point about losing the Purdue, I, that's it's valid. Absolutely. No question about it. Um, Getting smoked by Purdue. On the road. At Rolled Purdue. up and yeah. smoked. A, a Purdue team that needed to win last Saturday to become bowl eligible. So, uh, no argument there. Uh, but... Is Ohio State the team that we saw against Michigan? Is that what we're going to get? And that's the big question. And if we see that same Ohio State team against Northwestern on Saturday night, now Northwestern is not a very good team. Uh, but if they look like they did against Michigan against Northwestern, then that's a positive step for Ohio State. Where if Oklahoma, if they kind of stub their toe, and you, you could also argue that Ohio State has the better win than Oklahoma. Beating Michigan is probably a better win than anything Oklahoma has done. You know, no disrespect to West Virginia or Texas. That win over Michigan is going to be huge for Ohio State. So, and look, as we break it down, that Ohio State-Michigan game, not only did they never trail in that game, but I thought what really impressed me was it didn't have to be a perfect scenario for Ohio State to win that game. Like, Ohio State, they had plenty of mistakes. That kick, uh, fumbled kickoff return right before halftime where they allowed Michigan to basically get right back into the game, almost tie it right before halftime, that was a huge mistake. That uh, could have gone, shifted the momentum of the game in a big way. Uh, the Tate Martell package at the goal line, that didn't work out. Uh, so there were plenty of opportunities where uh, you know Ohio State just left production on the field or made mistakes that kept Michigan around, and they still blew uh, Wolverines out. And so... Why are we putting Tate Martell in the football game? He's a really talented guy. That's cool. It's We're just, on the five-yard line, and I've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I'm going to let him play. It, it, <laughs> what no, are we doing? I, I get it. It's just <laughs> What are we doing? I get it. it it's it, The Tate Martell package has worked before, and so that's just kind of how they're programmed. And I, it, Trust it's, me, there's a lot about the Ohio State offense that drives me I Taysom Hill thing and the Tate Martell thing, although the Taysom Hill one keeps working. Yeah. Whatever. I'll go ahead and play with my, uh, with my starting quarterback. <laughs> That's the quarterback that I'll leave in. So hey, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. I, I want to keep going on this game because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Answer this both ways. Okay. If Justin Herbert does not come into this draft, right. just watching college football this year, mm-hmm. I will take Dwayne Haskins' talent and tools over Jarrett Stidham, over Drew Locke, over take your pick. Yep. Dwayne Haskins, if he entered the draft and Justin Herbert didn't, he'd be the first guy I'd pick at quarterback. I think a lot of teams agree with you. Now include Herbert. Yeah, and what's the order? Uh, I still think Herbert Haskins in that order. Um, I I, th- I like Herbert's uh, ceiling more than I like Haskins. I still have some questions with Haskins in terms of his ability to navigate the rush uh, and just. I mean, he's gotten better throughout the season. Uh, the more reps, the more experience he has, he has gotten better. No question. Um, I still have some questions there, but I, I like both these guys a lot. Um, I don't think I like him as much as some of the quarterbacks we had last year. Um, but I do think that Herbert's going back, and Haskins, I think, is coming out. 
And so I do think that Haskins is the favorite. If that happens, Haskins will be the new favorite to go uh, to be the first quarterback drafted. And if we're going to have a top 10 quarterback this year. Welcome to the Giants. Haskins is the best chance to do it. And well, it'll be interesting because. The Jaguars are. There's going to be quarterback desperation out there. And so. Oh, he'll go in the top five. Maybe, yeah. Somebody will, if, they're, if they already have the pick, they'll pull the trigger. And if they don't, they'll go get them. Yeah. Well, they'll go get them. You look at teams, there are plenty of teams that have quarterback questions from, uh, you mentioned a couple of the Giants, the Jags. I mean, the Broncos are up there. Um, you know, it's it's really going to be interesting to see. And it's going to be a complete opposite from last year, where last year we had four quarterbacks in the top 10. First time that's happened since like 1949 or something. Uh, this year, this upcoming draft, it's really dependent on the underclassmen to maybe have a, a top 10 quarterback. And with Herbert, you know, we don't know. He got hurt on Saturday against Oregon State. Does that help his chances of coming out or maybe it helps his chances of going back. Uh, we don't know. Uh, these these decisions are so personal. It's tough to really know. But I, it's a valid valid question um, with, with Haskins and Herbert because you had two really talented guys who are still very young in their development. Uh, but the upside and where they can be you know, three years from now, that gets you excited. Okay, the next game from over the weekend that I would like to talk about is not going to have any bearing on the playoff. It was just awesome. Texas A&M LSU. That's crazy. So I watched every snap of that game. Yeah, so did I. And I almost wanted A&M to lose because I was all geared up with a Jimbo rant. <laughs> if you are down by one point at the end of regulation and they cheat to try to block your extra point <laughs> and you can run one play from the one-yard line, I want to run that play. Yeah. I want to go win the football game and save my kids seven overtimes. I was I was a little surprised he didn't run it uh, and that they kicked the extra point and they played all those dang overtimes, which looked terrible for all the children involved. Who would have thought but, seven uh, overtimes? That's just Yeah, you weren't crazy. playing it for seven. But no. from the one-yard line, go get your yard. Yeah. Go I get agree. your yard and win the game. You're the underdog here. Yeah. I mean, it, the game was at home. I mean, so maybe, was, I don't even know. Were they the underdog? It was in I know ranking-wise, they were 15 spots right. behind, but at home... It might have been close to a pick. I'm right, know. right, probably, probably. But go get your yard, Jimbo. It's just it's so funny the amount of ways LSU almost should have won. Uh, not funny, I guess. Sorry uh, for the LSU fans, but I mean, I tweeted this out, but there was probably someone, either an LSU fan or an A&M fan, who went to bed after that Grant Delpit interception. Like the game was over. Oh yeah, Delpit yeah. had the interception. Uh, he goes to bed. He or she goes to bed. Wakes up the next morning and sees seven overtimes and A&M wins. Like. Talk about! I would just I would pay money to see their expression. <laughs> just mind blown about what just happened. Like what is going on right now? It was just crazy to see things play out. Uh, a lot of questionable calls that I thought that Jay Sternberger incomplete pass that I think I thought it was a fumble in overtime. It was the first overtime. He uh, he caught the pass at like the probably at the probably inside the five yard line. Yeah. I think it was Grant Delpit who came in forced the fumble, um, but they called it an incomplete pass. Looked like he had possession and started to make a move. Uh, I would have called it a fumble, but you know, there just there were a lot of moments like that. For if you're an LSU fan, that's just I think there's part of you that feels like okay, sorry, we're, brought us sorry, Hellman. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. Who were in attendance? We have to feel good about being part of an historic game, but man, that that should have been a win. My favorite uh, player in that game, having not studied anyone yet, mm-hmm. but just watching a couple A&M games live. Holy cow, when they need something to happen, Kendrick Rogers shows up. 
that big old wide receiver from him. I don't know how many of the touchdowns yeah. and two point conversions he caught in overtime, yeah. but it seemed like about five or ten of them. The Clemson, he was uh, when yeah. they needed somebody to make a play. It was big old Kendrick Rogers. Here you go. The Clemson game and in this game, big time. Uh, he's just got ridiculous catch radius. The, all those talk about length. That's why length matters. I mean, I don't care what kind of corner you are. You're not going to be able to. You can't defend that. You can't cover that when a receiver has that type of catch radius. Uh, where they can go up and pick the ball out of the clouds like that. That pass interference against Greedy, uh, what was that, on the two-point conversion? Greedy I, shouldn't have cheated. It was ridiculous. He shouldn't have cheated. Just ridiculous. Such uh, a d- cheater. The rest wanted to go home. I, I'm, I'm convinced <laughs> of that. They were tired. I would want to go home. It was a five-hour game. It, it was. It was a long game. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, it was fun I for my couch. I enjoyed it, too. I was ready for it to end. Yeah. I was ready to have a winner. The only problem with that is that by the time it ends, it's like midnight, and I mean, I'm getting excited about this game, so I got adrenaline, so I got to wait till that wears off before you go to sleep. Uh, and, I was at the bar, so I had no problem going oh, to God, sleep yeah, when I got home. You were good. Yeah, it worked yeah, out well. Good. Imagine how long you've been. <laughs> Consuming at that point. Shout out to Miller Lite. Uh, a couple other, Notre Dame, USC. USC stuck around for a little bit, but Notre, Notre Dame pulled away at the end. Uh, so basically, we I wish Notre Dame would have lost and we could have just, we'll get Ohio State and Oklahoma in. Just yeah. go ahead and get Notre Dame out. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. Uh, so we, Notre Dame can't win a national title, right? I wouldn't say that. I you think mean, they could win it? Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't I'll think give you great odds. I don't think anybody's beating Alabama. <laughs> right. I mean, that's just how it is. But I think Oklahoma on a great day could beat anybody. I think Ohio State on a great day could beat anybody. Yeah. I don't think Notre Dame can have a day that beats Alabama. I, I guess you know that's I, that's fair. Um, and I, I think we have two locks for the playoff: Alabama, Clemson. Alabama, Notre Dame. I think if somehow Pitt upsets Pitt, Clemson, they're out. But it's not very good. So, yes. I mean, Clemson is a virtual lock. It just got spanked by Miami. Yeah, they got shut out. Um, Sir, they scored three points, I'll have you know. Okay, they got touchdown shut out. It was 24 to 3. So, they got touchdown shut out. Show a little respect. Um, so, I, I think we have two locks. With Al- no matter what happens, Alabama and Notre Dame, they're getting in. Now, Clemson, they're a virtual lock. Uh, it's very unlikely we see an upset there. So, that's our three teams. Back to, okay, who's that fourth team? Is it Oklahoma? Is it Ohio State? I think in the playoff rankings tonight, we're going to see... Oklahoma. It'll be Oklahoma tonight. Yeah, Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma will be fifth. Which is going to make it really tough for them to ever flip that. Because Oklahoma, if they both win, is going to have right. a better win again right. after being ranked ahead of them. Right. But I don't know. Can Ohio State... Didn't they do this in 14? They went and beat Wisconsin by a million, and they jumped TCU? Well, I don't... They didn't have the, a, a Big 12 championship yeah, game TCU that year. Yeah, TCU didn't game. So it was... That thirteenth data point, that thirteenth game of evidence, and I, I it might come down to style points. Um, now, say the OU Texas game goes like it did in the first time, except OU squeaks it out at the end. How is the committee going to view that compared to? That's uh, their entire year. A fifty, <laughs> a 50 their whole year. A fifty to nothing win against Northwestern for Ohio State. I mean, I, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how how that plays out because performance and. Style points really going to come into play here. Don't get smoked by Purdue. Maybe I'll let you in. Well, it was the same thing with Ohio State last year when they got beat by Iowa pretty bad. That's what kept them out at the end. And this this year, it's going to be Purdue. And listen, if I'm an Ohio State fan, as much as I'd love to make the playoff, because you know I think that I have on a on any given day I have the talent to at least hang with Alabama, or Clemson, anybody. The consolation prize is I'm. I won the Big Ten. I'm going to the Rose Bowl and I have a chance to beat Washington for a Rose Bowl 
title. I mean, that's not that's not a bad consolation prize. So I think Ohio State's sitting in a, a pretty good spot. Okay, anything else from the weekend we need to do? Um, I don't think so. I, 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 I one more thing on the Ohio my, State. My guy Will Greer was balling, by the way, outside of the fact that he fumbled a couple times. Yeah, a couple it, fumbles we lost the game because of. But other than that, my guy was balling. Watching that game, uh, can we call that football? I mean, is that football? Heck yeah, that's football. I mean, it's. Uh, it's just not like anything we've, we we see. I mean, there's no defense. You didn't watch the Rams play the Chiefs? That, that's a little different. Uh, there's some defense. Oh, you forced two turnovers. What it, a game. It's funny watching that game because it's just like you're waiting for a turnover. Because whoever makes the turnover, uh, they're probably going to lose. And, you know, West Virginia was able to. Uh, it's just amazing to me how how can a secondary pass defense be that bad? Like, how do you let the guy get deeper than you? I don't understand. It's It's really hard to comprehend. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand either. I mean, Gary Jennings, uh, a few times, just being able to you know run down the seam and quarters, they just look like they're stuck in mud and can't do anything about it. It's it's really perplexing to watch. But um, I do think it's funny that Ohio State needs help from Tom Herman on Saturday <laughs> to uh, get that little boost into the, into the playoff. That would be nice for him. Okay, so other than that, uh, I do have the questions. I have the questions of the day. If you want some, Dane. Uh, sure. What we got? Let me see here. Oh, we haven't mentioned the Alabama versus Georgia game. Is that just foregone conclusion? I don't think. Problem I mean, for Georgia is that Jake Fromm's going to have to go win the game. Probably. Because they kind of re- rely on their two backs and we're going to run it down your throat and we're going to beat you at the line of scrimmage. Right. And that always works really, really well until you play the one team in the country that does all that better than you. <laughs> right. And now we got a problem. Right. Well, and they're in your conference. You built this thing to do what they do, but they do it better. Right. And now they have a better quarterback. And I mean, we go back to the national title game last year. Uh, I mean, it went to overtime and it, the game was closed. Now, of course, Tua only played the second half. But if the Georgia defense shows up and keeps the Alabama offense to, you know, uh, somewhere in the in the twenties, then uh, yeah, Georgia can score on Alabama to at least keep it close. So I I don't think this is going to be a blowout. Um, at the same time, I don't think that Alabama's going to lose either. All right, from Nathan on the tweeter. Who's had the most disappointing senior year compared to what you thought of them going into the season? Is that Drew Locke, or did he pull it out with his one good game? Uh, Drew Locke's played really well the second half. Yeah. I mean, he looked rough against Alabama. and Stid him. Yeah, although he's not a senior, so I guess. Okay. But he, he would definitely, Stidham definitely qualifies in terms of the most disappointing. He's, I don't know if he's regressed, but he hasn't taken a step forward at all. And a big part of that's the offense and everything around him. But, you know, obviously he deserves some of the blame too. I, I think that, I think the obvious candidate here, if we're talking about the most disappointing senior, probably Bryce Love from Stanford. I mean, if you come back after what you did last year, Heisman finalist, you look... If you came out in the draft, you're probably going to be a top 60 pick. Uh, you come back for your senior year, and it's just it's disappointment, it's injury. Um, you know, he's really struggled to you know make much of an impact. And I I don't know. I, I think he's really hurt himself in terms of his draft standing. Last year, I thought he would have been a top 60 pick. This year, he might not be a top 100 pick, uh, largely because of what happened this year. So I think Bryce Love uh, qualifies for that. Um, who else? Who else? Senior. Uh, I mean, I think your Jarrett Stidham call makes sense, even though he isn't a senior, because he went from a guy we thought could be a first-round pick to now, I don't, I, it's going to come down to the senior bowl. It's going to come down to his pre-draft process uh, to, to, to determine if he's going to be a top 100 guy, is he going to fall a little bit? So I think that, I think that qualifies. 
Tyler Murray, where do we draft him? If he is, it sounds like yesterday he came out and said, he you says, know, I changed my mind, guys. Uh, he, man, he, that football's fun. Yesterday he said baseball play. is still the plan. I know. So would a team But he still... just tweeted just the second day and he said, just kidding. I love football and I'm going in the draft. If he was 100% committed to the to football, then he's going somewhere top 100. You know, some t- not every team's going to be in on him. It's probably going to be, you know, a handful, 10 teams that might even consider him. So, you know, the landing spots are going to be fewer, but somewhere in the top 100, a team's going to take a chance on him. Now, I think a, a question is, will a team still draft him in the seventh round despite him saying that baseball is still the plan? I would immediately. I, I don't remember how the rules work on that. Well, but I'm, it's but I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's a it's a tough call because if if you sign him or if you draft him but then don't sign him, then Did somebody else draft him the next year. I say he goes back in the draft the next year. Remember Lyle Collins? That was a big thing with him. Was he said he wouldn't sign? He said he, he wouldn't drafted. sign, and he would just enter the draft the next year. So, and I'm if you. I mean, technically, you could sign him while he's still playing baseball. I mean, there's nothing against him having two professional contracts. Just pay him, not be there. I mean, for as a seventh round pick, if you want to show up in year four, is it worth the investment to give him four hundred thousand dollars a year? Uh huh. With the off chance that Uh over the next four years, that at some point he might give up baseball. Heck yeah, maybe for well, and I think you have to be a very Secure GM, you know, you have to be pretty set in your position uh, to not only use a draft pick that way, but think that far out where you're going to take that risk. But yeah, I don't think it's impossible. It's at least a conversation that teams need to have. Uh, from Jake on the Twitter championship game. Now we did that. Uh, is the Big 12 finally good enough to not be the worst power conference? I say absolutely. Big 12 is better than the Pac-12, Pac-10, 12, 14, 26, however many teams are there now. I uh, think I would agree. Top to bottom, I'll take the Big 12 over the Big 10. I disagree. Maybe not in the top two spots, but top to bottom I will. I'll take them over the ACC. Yeah, I'll put them second. I would put them third. I'll run uh, out. This year. I'll run out. Texas, Oklahoma, West, West Virginia, Virginia, Iowa State against the top four of anybody else that's not the SEC. Okay. Well, and the, I think I'll go at least two and two in the Big Ten. It's probably we may go two and two. We might lose with Oklahoma against Ohio State. We might lose Michigan against Texas. But West Virginia and Iowa State got us. We'll go beat their three and four. I don't know. I was Iowa beat Iowa State. Earlier this year. So, you know. Line up again. <laughs> Come get some. Um, no, I mean, I, I think there's at least, a, it's a debate. I don't think it's a clear cut. I would take Big Ten as the number two conference. Uh, Big 12 is number three. And then, oh gosh, ACC has been so bad this year. I, I think I'd probably go Pac-12. I mean, Clemson is, you know, keeping that conference afloat. But where the Pac-12 is just more average from top to bottom. But the ACC is just down. It's tough to get excited about anyone not named Clemson in that league. Eric on the tweeter. Shea Patterson as an NFL draft prospect. Go back to school, kid. Okay, because he said if he has a good pre-draft process, how high could he get drafted? Could he go early second round? And my initial thought was, what? 
just I mean, just watch the Ohio State game. Like I mean, he's making a lot of mistakes. The ball placement's off. Um, I I mean, the defense, Michigan's defense, gave up sixty plus points. So Shea Patterson could have played a perfect game. They probably still wouldn't have won, but they could have made it a lot closer. And with Patterson, I, he's got a good arm. He's a good athlete, but. Everything else is just, it's not catching up yet. And he's still more potential than anything. He has shown progression this year. He's better now than when he was uh, in that opener against Notre Dame. But he's still not at the level where you're going to feel overly excited about what he can do at the NFL level. So I don't care what he does during the pre-draft process. I I just can't see a team using a top 50 pick on him. Um, I don't care how desperate they are for a quarterback. Go back to school, get better. Uh, you know, another year with Harbaugh and you know be good for him. Um, I I would be pretty surprised if he came out, but I I think that was the plan. You know, is to change your jersey number, go to Michigan and come out. But I don't know. He knows to go back. He needs to go back to school. But he's got to change his jersey number. You have to look like a quarterback, young man. You don't look like a quarterback wearing. Was he wearing twenty something? Yeah, that's that, true. Uh, uh-uh. doesn't look right. Uh, speaking of drops your round for me. Speaking of underclass, we have had some recent guys declare. Um, and I'll have this tracker up on the, the athletic today. Uh, we'll, we'll track all the underclassmen, but, uh, Nikhil Harry from Arizona state declared yesterday, uh, Rashawn Gary, top 60. Um, yeah, I think Nikhil Harry's in that 25 to 50 range somewhere. Um, DK Metcalf from Ole Miss declared, he's going to be really interesting. Uh, and I saw we had a question about him. 25 to 50. He could go higher depending on the medicals. Because he had, he missed uh, basically all of 2016 with an injury. Uh, came back last year and was was solid, and then this year missed half the second half of the year with a neck injury. And so, I've been told uh, by two sources close to the, to the situation that he will be cleared in mid to late January. So DK Metcalf is someone we will see at the combine, someone that we will see during the process. Uh, that medicals at least. You know, for him being able to work out and be healthy right now, he will be okay for that. Now, maybe the doctors will find something long-term they're worried about. But for right now, he will be cleared for the pre-draft process. And that's great news for DK Metcalf. Uh, he still has a chance to be the first wide receiver off the board. He's just he's a freak. He's 6'4", 235 pounds, and he's going to run in the 4'4s. Four um, now, he's 20. Yeah, he's a young kid. His dad is former offensive lineman, Terrence Metcalf. Um, you know, his dad's kind of that been grooming DK for the last, you know, since he was in middle school to, for this moment, he's a physical freak and that's going to obviously help him, but there's still plenty of areas where of his game that he needs to improve from his routes to, um, you know, being, uh, you know, using his size at the catch point, using his size after the catch, um, plenty of opportunities where he can get better, but the upside where he is now, just the physical attributes that's going to give him a chance to be the first quarter or wide receiver drafted, uh, possibly somewhere in the top 25. Uh, it could be between him and Hollywood Brown to see the first wide out drafted. Is Ole Miss going to get in trouble again? I just know they have, so they have DK Metcalf. Yep. They have AJ Brown, another wide receiver. They have Demarcus Lodge, another yep. good wide receiver. All three are going to be probably top 100 guys. And their tight end, I think you said, is awesome. Dawson Knox, yeah. He's a underutilized guy who's How probably a Miss top get five all tight this, end. Dane? Well, Dawson Knox is a former quarterback walk-on, so that okay. was kind of a, a happenstance thing. Uh, 
uh, DK Metcalf, his dad was an Ole Miss guy, so like that, there, there was a legacy there. Uh, I remember Lodge from high school because he was a Cedar Hill guy, which is yeah. local for me. Right, and I don't think he was like a, a big time recruit. I mean, he was, you know, a, a B level recruit, and so uh, that makes a little bit of sense. They also had Greg Little, who might be the first tackle drafted as early as the top ten. Uh, he was one of the top tackles coming out of high school. How'd they school. go five and seven? Uh, they play Big Twelve football. Oh, okay. okay. Zero. They have zero NFL guys on defense, okay. and offense is just ridiculous. So, um, a couple other underclassmen. I mentioned Rashawn Gary. Uh, he's going to be really interesting, just from a talent versus production standpoint. You know, he never really lived up to the hype at Michigan. Uh, the flashes were awesome, no question. Uh, he's going to blow up the combine. It's going to be ridiculous what this guy does at 285 pounds. And that's a big reason why I still think he goes top 10. But his career, and a big part of it was injury. But, you know, obviously that's that matters. That's part of the evaluation. Um, he just never really lived up to the talent during his three years at Michigan. Where will Cliff Kingsbury coach next? College or NFL? And will it be coordinator or head coach? I don't think he's going to be a head coach right away. I think he's going to have no shortage of offers or interest to be an OC. Um, the interesting thing will be, does an NFL team seriously consider him? Uh, you know, like the Cowboys, it almost makes too much sense from a outside perspective. Now, from an inside perspective, I don't think Jason Garrett's going to be on board with something like that. Uh, but from the outside looking in. Well, if you have a bad year, you don't have a lot of say. You say, here's the good news. You get to keep your job. Here's the bad news. You think this Jerry would say that to him? Running the offense. I don't know. Uh, yeah, because what it would come with is, uh, we talked about this yesterday on the show, on 105.3 The Fan, the flagship of the Cowboys. Uh, what you would tell Garrett is, there's good news and there's bad news. The bad news is there's someone else coming in to run the offense and you don't get to be in the room. The good news is it also means you get a lifetime contract because yeah. nothing can ever be your fault now. <laughs> You're just here to be the CEO and hang out. And clap. And make Jerry be happy that his guy's the head coach. Yeah, I, I don't know if Jerry... Now, that didn't work in Cleveland. That was my counterpoint. No, said well, you bring in a guy to run the offense, and you say, hey, head coach, you're out of this. And then it doesn't go well, and the head coach starts opening the door like, hey, guess what? I can do this. And it's like, hey, we no, you're not allowed. It's like, well, I'm the head coach. Well, you're not allowed. Well, Hugh Jackson's a fraud, and oh. Todd Haley just he doesn't play nice with others. So that was a disaster from the start. Now, Garrett and Kingsbury, maybe they would learn to play together. Because they understand that it's for they have mutual interest in winning football games, and I don't think it helped both of them for the long term. Um, by the way, did you see Baker Mayfield after the Cleveland game with the Hugh Jackson went in for the hug. Yeah, he was, just, Baker was bro hugging everybody on the other team, but then when it was Hugh, he was like, "Right, let's stay full extension, yes, get yeah. this just a handshake, and get away from me." I, people are kind of. Getting a little hard on Baker for some of his comments. It's I mean, Baker. I, I it's I, Baker. If I'm a Browns fan, I love it. If he doesn't Absolutely. like someone, he's not going to pretend. He's not going to yeah. sugarcoat it. He's going to use anything he can as motivation, and he's going to find a way to put a chip on his shoulder. And when people call him out for it, he's he's going to fire back. Yeah. He doesn't care. And I don't. And as long as he's playing well, I don't hate it because the Browns need something like that. They need fire. They need something to rally around. Uh, they they don't have that before Baker. So I'm okay with it. If I'm a Browns fan. If I'm in that locker room, so I don't know. People like to get upset over nothing. Um, UCF, <laughs> no matter what happens, they're going to get punished for losing their quarterback, right? Well, if they because it's hard, you're not one of the four best teams without McKenzie Milton. 
Well, they they had it no was sh- a, it was a hard case anyway. They had no shot at the playoff even with Mackenzie Melton. No shot. Not a shot. Which means they have no shot to ever make the playoff. No, that would have been two straight years yes, of zero the, losses, and there's nothing you can do. The group of five needs to start their own playoff. It's yeah. I don't understand why there's fight about this. I mean, it's I I I, I get and they're trying to wait wait it out until the playoff expands to eight, so they get an automatic bid. But even in that case, I just you can still have a group of five playoff. It'd still be awesome, and if you do have a team that qualifies for the final four, final eight, then okay, then they're not in the in the in the in the group of five playoff. And but the you know, the Memphises and the Boise States and the Fresnos and uh, you know, the rest of the group of five, they can still compete for a group of five championship. And there are hundred and thirty teams in the FBS. It's ridiculous to think that hundred and thirty have a chance to win a national title. When in reality, there's probably a dozen teams every year sometimes there might be, you know, there's five teams at the top, six teams at the top, and then the other six teams might vary from year to year. But those 12 teams have a shot at to win the national title every year. And the other, what, 118 have zero shot. Mm. So if you're shots group, fired at rice, if you're a group mm. of five program, push for a group of five championship. So at least you have a semblance of a hope to win a conference title, make a group of five. And again, if you play at the conference, or the non-conference schedule where you might win or you might get a spot in the final four, well then okay, you can still get in that final four and then you just you won't be in the group of five playoff. I don't I don't know why there's fight against this. Uh Jason on Twitter, probably the last one here, he says, I want to hear you talk about running backs, specifically what juniors might want to declare with no clear cut running back number one. Uh, and who we are not talking about as day two running back options. Where's my guy David Montgomery fall? My Iowa State guy. That's my guy. He, he he's gonna be one of the top five running backs. Um, it's just you know that team has to be awful because uh, offensively they have to be able to not block. Because I'm looking at his numbers, they only gave it to him less than 200 times for 947 yards, 4.8 a carry, and he's a monster. He is, but I don't think he's going to test like overly well. Like he's not a great athlete. He's a good. Yeah, athlete. I don't care. He's a running back. Well, no, but I'm I, I, just talking about bursts, talking about uh, change of direction, short area quickness, not necessarily the 40, but just the some of the other metrics that you carry, care about with the testing uh, for the running back position. Now, I'm not saying I like Dave Montgomery a lot. I think he's a day two pick, but he's in terms of how NFL teams are going to view him, they're not going to love him. Who are the receiving running backs? Who's the Kamara guy? Uh, I don't know if there's a true, like, because that's know. where the real value is in the NFL. Yeah. It's Gurley it, and Kamara and the guys who are going to catch 70 balls. And I don't know if there's a guy that is going to catch that many, but you look at, even look at a guy like Nick, Nick Chubb from last year. You know, he caught five passes as a senior. They don't throw to running backs at Georgia. Well, and look what he's doing with the Browns. He already yeah. has, uh, you know, double digit catches and he had that ridiculous touchdown catch. Uh, where he caught it behind the defender's back. So just because they don't do it in, co- in, in college doesn't mean they, they can't. So I, I think, you know, guys like Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic, he's a guy that people need to know more about. Uh, junior who's going to declare as a running back position. Uh, Josh Jacobs from Alabama, who doesn't get talked about nearly enough uh, as uh, a t- one of the top running backs in this class. Um, David Montgomery's definitely in there. Zach Moss from Utah. We'll see what's going on with his knee. Um, Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma. We, we for, can't forget about him. He's already declared. He's got the medical issues, but if he's healthy, he could end up being a steal. 
Uh, Georgia's not, uh, Swift is awesome, but he's not draft eligible. Holyfield, the other one, he is draft eligible. If he comes out, he's going to be in that top six, seven mix. Uh, Travion Williams from AM, he's a lot of fun. I don't think he's a feature back, but I, I'll, I'll add him to my rotation. And I, I think I've got a quality player there. So this junior class, we're going to see plenty of guys come out and, uh, you know, they're going to add a little bit of, uh, and I don't think we're going to have a first round running back this year. But just like most years, you're going to be able to find good value days two uh, into the fourth round. Uh, even a guy like Daryl Henderson from Memphis, who second in the nation in rushing, Devontae uh, Freeman type of runner. Uh, but, you know, he's going to get overlooked because of the size, because of the conference that he plays in. But if you can get him in the late third, early fourth, that's not bad value. All right, I'm done. You done? Yeah. We have, well, uh, you're not done. No, done. Uh, you don't look done. We had a question about tight ends. I, we had a lot of questions about tight ends, so I want to touch on those oh, real yeah, quick. Oh, because, yeah, because I work on the Cowboys station. Uh, looking for a tight end. Irv Smith and two Iowa guys. Keep it moving. I, yeah, I think I, I, the two Iowa guys are one and two for me. Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. Now, both are underclassmen. Um, I think Fant's going to declare. TJ Hawkins is a redshirt sophomore. He's going to have more of a uh, decision to make. Get out of there, kid. Get your money. Irv Smith from Alabama's three for me. Dawson Knox, Ole Miss is four. Then you have Caden Smith from Stanford, Mitchell Wilcox, South Florida, Jay Sternberger, A&M, Albert O from Missouri. Uh, and, and I mean, all these guys are underclassmen. So those are eight underclassmen right now that if they declare and enter this draft, uh, it, it's going to make this tight end class go from a weakness in terms of position standpoint to a possible strength. When you look at the senior class, I've got three guys at the top that I like as possible guys in the top 125 picks, top 150 picks. Foster Moreau from LSU, Drew Sample from Washington, and then Josh Oliver from San Jose State. And that's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, a, a guy who, not many reasons to watch San Jose State this year. They won one game, but this Josh Oliver kid, he can block. He can. Uh, he's a very good route runner. Uh, he's an athletic pass catcher. There's a lot to his game that I think translates. Now I'm done, Dane. All right, now we're done. The end. All right, appreciate everybody for trusting the tape. Make sure you're hitting that subscribe button and... Tell your friends about us. That's the thing. We're looking for growth here. You know, we're looking for um, a million subscribers and huge big money sponsors. That's what we're looking for. So if you have all the money, shoot one of us a message and give it to us and we'll talk about it. It'll be great. All right. The end. We'll see you next week on Trust the Tape. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.